This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. We are going to have a very interesting episode about school-based physical activi- activity, and we have a brilliant guest. Our guest is working as a reader in physical activity and healthy childhood in University of Bradford, UK. His research focuses on the design, development, and evaluation of behavior change interventions for physical activity and health in children. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest, Dr. Andrew Daly-Smith. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you very much, Ollie, and a pleasure to be on the podcast. Yeah, nice to nice to have you. Basically, pulling all the important uh, stakeholders, people together right in the beginning, uh, maybe concentrate on, on the low-hanging fruit that you get get uh, effective changes right away. So if, if we go practical, we are now looking to start the collaboration with one city in Finland, and and they want to measure physical activity of four-year-olds, and we will measure them. We will have then... Uh, feedback session for the teachers, for the parents, and then there will be some sort of intervention and then measurement again. Uh, we haven't planned it too far yet. What would be your advice in in this kind of situation with the small small children? So I, I think where I would... Is it is it a school based intervention or is it a city based intervention? Uh, it it is four units like uh, daycare centers. Yeah. Okay, so I I think first of all you need to understand. I'll draw on some of the creating active schools work that we did. You you, you need I would say you need to understand who the key stakeholders are within that setting, um, and then you need to pull them together and you you need to co develop what that journey looks like. So within, within the Creating Active Schools, when we developed the framework, um, we designed, we, we used something called the UK Design Council Double Diamond Approach, but then, I, it sounds really cheesy using the word supercharged it, but we switched stakeholder groups. So we, we had same stakeholders working together and mix, and then mixing the stakeholders into different groups. So we spent a lot of time prior to the design day thinking, which are the people that, who are the people sorry who we need around the table so our kind of six main stakeholder groups of so that particular area were school teachers head teachers uh uk based researchers what are called our active partnership network who are the community arm of our national sport provider uh public health specialists and i always leave one off uh, active schools coordinators So we felt those were the kind of six key stakeholder groups who understood what a whole school approach to physical activity looks like. And we got them to identify, okay, so if we're talking about a whole daycare approach to physical activity, what what, what are all the factors or what are all the important things within that setting that will help influence physical activity? That was our first task with them. And what was interesting, you know, 
I imagine many of the things, because I was walking around listening to the conversations, many of the things that came out were not new and novel. What we then did was we we moved, so we took one teacher, one head teacher, one active schools coordinator, and made six mixed stakeholder groups. And actually, when those conversations joined up, it was fa- it's been fascinating listening to the audio. New thinking started to emerge. And, and a great example was... In the same stakeholder groups, you know, there's one particular conversation where the public health specialists were, were saying, oh, you know, within a school-based approach, we need it to be like this because that's how the head teachers will want it. And then when you listen to the head teachers' conversation, they're saying completely the opposite. And it's not until you join those conversations up that you, you, you hear this kind of light bulb switch on of, wow, my perceptions was always that's the way you needed it to work within your system. And then we took them through this kind of design-based approach. And I, th- I think, you know, if I love being in the outdoors. And, you know, why do I walk up the mountain? It's not to reach the pinnacle. It's to enjoy the journey. And actually, the journey of going through the co-production has been as important to us in terms of the framework that we produced to the actual framework itself. Because when when we've delivered when we've delivered training within schools around what is the school as a system, how do you start to change your system? There was one particular workshop where we, we printed off big posters of the Creating Active Schools framework. And, and I would say, this is how I would take your daycare approach. You know, understand what the daycare system is. Once you've got it in a picture, sit down, you know, get the, the, um, the stakeholders to sit down with the picture of the system and get your post-it notes out and say, okay, what are you doing in each element of the system to integrate physical activity? And what was fascinating was you could see that, as we were talking through the beginning of the session, you could see the head teachers going, oh, blooming researchers again, telling us how to do our job. And I actually saw the presentation and I said, look, I can see you're all switching off because you think I'm here to tell you what to do. And I said, I can, you know, I understand that and I can categorically tell you I'm not here to tell you how to do your job. You're the expert. And I said, you see this framework that's in front of you? That was designed by head teachers like you. It wasn't designed by me. And again, the light bulb went on. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh I can see how that could work. Oh, yeah. De- teachers definitely had a role. Yeah, that makes sense to me now. The power of the journey and involving everybody in the journey gives face validity to what you uh, what comes out at the end. But fundamentally, with, within the CAS framework, what was really exciting is we had a picture that co-produced and was for the first time, I would say, we've been able to clearly articulate a shared understanding of what a whole school approach to physical activity is. You know, I could have gone to lots of different people and they could have told me what a whole school, school approach to physical activity was, but it's the shared understanding that's important. The hard work is then implementing that. So the, the, we've been working on this since I arrived at Bradford primarily in, in August 2020 around developing um, an implementation model. And because we're focusing on creating organisational change, one, one of the, the key issues within schools is short-termism around physical activity. They're very good at picking up new initiatives. They'll implement them for four or five weeks when there's that real enthusiasm 
and a teacher has the capacity to go that little bit above and beyond and invest some extra time. But they generally tend to fall away quickly. And the reason for that is that quite often, and from a lot of the work we've done using the framework, what we've seen is organizations are great at providing opportunities, but actually they don't integrate system, uh, sorry, physical activity within the heart of the system. So when you look at a school's policy statement, you look, ask them what their mission and visions are. Is physical activity, for, for us, the language we would use is within the school implementation plan? Because the implementation plan drives what the school's going to focus on for the next academic year. So in your daycare setting, it would be, is physical activity integrated within your strategic plan both as an overarch document for the next five years, but what are you going to work on next year? And it's taking the schools on a journey. And in that journey, it's not expecting that I can walk in in three weeks' time and see the perfect whole school approach to physical activity. It's, you know, when you, when you, I've started to read now around um, organizational change, looking at business culture, and Five, seven, ten years are the timelines that are being talked about for organization and cultural change for whatever their outcomes are. We should be we should be giving schools that amount of time to create organizational change for health behavior. Because you cannot change. And if you think a a school is like a, a super tanker going through the sea, it cannot change direction within the click of a finger. It will take a long time with gradual shifts in what they do. And the reason gradual is important is because if you change things gradually, and this is coming from the behavioral literature, if you change things gradually, slowly making changes, drip feeding change after change, year after year, the culture will slowly start to shift. The challenge is keeping that super tanker to continually change their culture because you know, we can work with the school and at the school level, but a school is is a is, is a oh, what do we call it a a, a, a sub system within a greater system. So we could be working with a school around introducing physical activity and health. Well, if the government comes out with a new educational policy, that could completely wipe the floor with uh, all the great work we're doing around physical activity. Great example in the UK of this, uh, when we're going through COVID, when children returned to schools, the advice that was coming down from the government departments that were children should be sat in rows facing the front of the classroom because the educational literature was telling them that's the best way for children to catch up. So overnight, you know, one statement made with good intention completely shifts the system to prioritize educational outcome over health because sitting children down at a desk facing the front i mean that's devastating impacts not just on physical health but think about social emotional health all of a sudden the kids have gone from working in tables of four and six cooperative learning team-based tasks discussion to no we want you now to work in isolation face the blackboard or whiteboard at the front of the classroom and this is all about educational outcomes you know and again i say i'm very fortunate to work in norway and what's really interesting is some of the research we're doing in norway around um 
it's around physically active learning, but it's looking at the culture within Norwegian schools and the new Norway education policy that is around the social and emotional development of children and young people as one of their key threads within their policy. I mean, wow, that is fantastic because as a researcher who's interested in the health and well-being of children, and, and fundamentally it's about, and I keep going back to the holistic development, it's about building or, or helping to build um, balanced young individuals who can reach their potential in life. What a great, what a great message to be giving to the education system, the teachers, the head teachers of we will empower you to deliver education that is not just about academic outcomes. It's about many of those what what we've always termed softer skills. But actually, you know, we know from the, the world of work, yes, academic outcomes are important, but actually what gets you through in life are the softer skills. Your ability to communicate, to talk to other people, to work and collaborate. That all those skills are so vital in the 21st century and will become increasingly more so as we, you know, as we go through the next few decades. For most sedentary behaviour and physical activity researchers, collecting the research data is one of the most frustrating steps of a project especially as inefficient data collection steals too much of your precious time, causes unnecessary stress and hassle, and can easily derail progress of your project. This is why we devised a revolutionary new way to collect data, introducing Fibian Sense Motion, the beginning of a new era. Fibian Sense Motion is a cutting-edge, next-generation system that allows you to easily and remotely collect, store, and manage data. Our solution features a tiny, waterproof device that captures the sedentary behavior and physical activity data, a mobile app for automatic uploading of the data from the device, and a cloud service for managing the data. Even better, all collected data is GDPR compliant and you have access to automatically analyzed variables of activity types and raw 3-axis accelerometer data. Don't compromise on the quality of your research or the project timeframes. Discover the convenience and power behind our solution at sense.fibian.com. That is sense.fibian.com. Fibian, created by researchers for researchers. Mm. Yeah, a lo- lo- lot of things there. We w- we started from the daycare daycare thing yes, that yeah. uh, bringing bringing seeing daycare as a system and maybe visualizing it, getting stakeholders to see it, and planning how they can integrate physical activity to this this system that they see and they should have it in the heart of the system and and in their implementation plan but you also said that it would take five to ten years of organizational change is there any ways to facilitate it faster or how do you it doesn't happen by itself how is there anything you are working on to do it do it faster or do it better um so the way the way we we're actioning it within the uk is we, we've developed a, a profiling tool um, against the Creating Active Schools framework. So the profiling tool, or the CAS framework, is, is summed in four areas, policy, environment, stakeholders, and then what we call opportunities. 
So the profile, what what we our piece of work we're doing at the moment is to understand if schools do the profiling tool, which is fundamentally a, a self reflection on their current provision, does that create any instant change? Uh, and the answer is we don't know. From our very early pilot work, we've got some anecdotal evidence that would suggest even just profiling their current provision and understanding all the different parts of the jigsaw of a, of a whole school approach has helped schools to change their behaviour in small ways. Um, I would hesitate to say we can do it faster. And I think that the worry for me is by doing it faster, we, we risk putting things in place that aren't ingrained in the culture of the school. And therefore, when other initiatives come along, they will be lost. Um, what what we're developing to go along with the profiling tool, which it, it, some things happened by chance and accident, was we, we felt, well, OK, if we've got a profiling tool that helps schools understand whether they're really great at monitoring and evaluation or actually they need to do some work, we need to put some CPD behind this. And, and actually what we should do is develop some online CPD, short bite-sized 10-minute CPD modules that link to the, we've got 22 areas of the framework. So there'll be 22 CPD modules. And again, I think these, it's how do you develop a system that is, or I think is already scaled and then test it on us. It's already set for scalability, but test it on a smaller, uh, on a smaller group of schools to look at uh, efficacy and effectiveness. And, and I think that, will be interesting to see how that works. That's going to launch in September 2022. We'll test that in the next academic year and see if those online modules, which what will happen is if a school in those 22 areas, it will tell them or help them understand what their high priority needs are. So they might have 15 high priority needs. It will, it will help and work with them to select three or four. And then they'll do those CPD modules and that will become what the school focuses on for the next academic year. So going back to the initial question, can we do it faster? I, I think the only way you could is to put a, a huge amount of resource into the school. But the resource needs to not be around the delivery of the physical activity. So it's not about going into the daycare centre with four external coaches and those coaches delivering all the activity to the children. Because that's great while they're there. But when the money runs out and you pull the coaches away, you've not you've not integrated it within the system itself. And, and that kind of probably links to the work we're doing in physically active learning. So how are we changing the behaviours of teachers around physically active learning? It's not by putting expert practitioners in schools. And yes, that does have its place. You know, if we're looking at school catch-up groups as an example, or what is a common term in the UK at the moment, levelling up. Um, but actually it's about changing teachers' behavior around the use of physically active learning so we've designed a teacher training curriculum and then off the back of that teacher training curriculum we're developing free e-learning modules so we're changing the behavior of the stakeholders who operate within the school so that they change their behavior over time but again the, these things take time you, you you can't if tomorrow i said all right i'm going to run a marathon or I'm going to run an ultra marathon. I couldn't do that tomorrow. I would have to slowly train and build over time. It would probably take me, with current level of fitness, probably a year to two years to get near a marathon. 
And I, so I think we, we need to give schools or organisations, um, we need to give them time and we need to support them. And and as a researcher, it's, the challenge then is how do we how do we persuade our research funders? That's the amount of time a school needs or an organisation needs. Therefore, that's the amount of time you need to fund us for to enable us to do an evaluation to understand if it's effective or not. It, it's fascinating, and I think you know this kind of city, this research and this implementation. If we think, or oh, you know, the practice side of of delivering physical activity, we really need to get into that sweet spot in the middle where the two come together. Um, and that, that's where I enjoy working. It's not the pure research. It's not the pure practice and implementation. It's that bit in the middle where you have those kind of interesting conversations. Hmm. Yeah. So, so actually, really, really fascinating discussion, and and so many levels that probably we cannot cover all of them. If if listeners are interested on this, which resources you would direct them to them to learn learn more about these things. Oof, right. Well, it, I've talked about three projects today. So um, I'll start with the Creating Active Schools project. Uh, we've got a publication in the International Journal of Behavioural Nutrition and Physical Activity. Uh, so if you search for my name, which is Daily-Smith, and it's D-A-L-Y-Smith, uh, you can find that publication. And there's also the website, which is creatingactiveschools.org where you can uh, see some videos, that an introduction to the profiling tool. In terms of physically active learning, so to go, there's a, we've got a website. It's a uh, Erasmus Plus funded program, uh, EU funding, and it's called activateyourclass.eu. And you can find the teacher training curriculum, and you can also find the free to access e-learning modules, which will launch. Uh, should be today, uh, but I, I'm uh, I've not had my email through yet from the design team in Denmark, so I'm presuming it'll be in the next couple of days. So that they're all free to access. You know, we we're not here to make money; we're here to change children's lives. So whatever we can and where we can, it's free to access or low cost. In terms of the jump project, um, the best place to go to is the Join Us Move Play website. If you're just going to Google it and type that, but then also uh, Dr. Jen Heston, Dr. Jen Hall, sorry, I was going to blast from the past there, uh, has uh, written a publication on the whole systems evaluation process in BMC Public Health. So if you search our names in that journal, uh, you'll find the process evaluation approach. We're currently writing the papers around the control trial, and also the evidence-based development of the intervention. So they're still to come out. Um, but the best thing to do is just get in touch. Um, my Twitter handle is at Brainercise. Um, yeah, don't don't ask. <laughs> it's one of those things you think is a fantastic idea at the time and you realise, you know, a year down the line, it really was not that great. Um, or just email me. Look, look me up at the University of Bradford and send me an email. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyone interested, you can find those those resources. And if you're interested of this ripple effect mapping, I I did the episode some time ago with James James Noble. So you can you can check that one also. And we still have some time left, so I would like to talk about this physical physically active learning. Could you, could you tell about this? I I checked your website, and you had nice 
nice uh, kind of examples of how to do it. Yeah, so physically active learning is the is the integration of physical activity within the delivery of academic content. So what we know from a lot of segmented school day studies on physical activity, sedentary behaviour or sedentary time is that children are the most sedentary in academic lesson time, especially maths and English. So, and if you think about the amount of time they spend in academic lessons, what we were interested in is how can we change teacher behaviour to deliver academic content in a more active way? Um, This work isn't new. It's, It's been around 50 years in terms of research with some really sort of very early studies um, around what we call the acute effects or, you know, we deliver one lesson in this way, what happens in terms of physical activity, educational outcomes. Um, so this work builds on, you know, if you look at the work of John Bartholomew, Joe Donnelly in the States, uh, there's Nick Riley out in Australia, Lane Murtar in Ireland, um, uh, Ash Rutan in the UK, uh, Gerkar Riesland in Norway. And that's just the research Actually, when you move across into the practice field, you know, very again, very fortunate to work with Bryn Llewellyn and Tag Tivate. And um, I know the guy, Bryn works with Ian Holmes, who's our Creating Active Schools director. Um, they've got a company called Move and Learn, and this isn't about plugging their company, but they are a they are advanced practitioners who have lived and breathed this, you know, head teachers, deputy heads. So they understand the school system and they support schools in integrating physical activity. So in terms of the EU project, is it's, it's been the co-production of this teacher training curriculum because one of the issues at the moment is you need to, you, you need to influence before you create the problem. And what I mean by that is teachers go through teacher training. If we train them in a specific way, which is to sit children down to learn, we then have to undo how they've been taught to integrate physical, physically active learning. So the curriculum is there to influence teacher training courses, um, but also uh, current teaching practice and you know qualified teachers. It was developed through um, two-phase process. So we did a, a meta-synthesis of all the qualitative research uh, around um, teacher behaviors and in pals are looking at barriers facilitators to understand um what skills do a teacher need we use the the tdf what skills does a teacher need looking at how do we build motivation etc and then we did a second piece of work which was to interview what we called uh, uh pal pioneers so we picked six leading researchers from across the world teacher educators and um teachers who used PAL in their teaching. So we had 18 um, interviews altogether. And what was really novel from those from the interviews, and we're just writing a publication at the moment, was actually the first time we had an understanding of what we call a learning journey. And if you want to see the learning journey, if you go into the Activate curriculum, which you can find on the website, you can actually get a sort of initial insight into what that looks like. And it talks about the importance of onboarding teachers so it's not just selling the benefits of why physical active learning is important, but it's also looking at um, what do teachers value? So what is it that motivates them to get out of bed in the morning to do their job as a teacher? And we need to align physically active learning against those teachers' values to understand how PAL can contribute to that. 
And then it's about building their um, knowledge of what PAL is, making them realize they probably already do it in, the, in, in certain ways. You know, most teachers will take their kids out on a class and go for a walk around the playground, collect some items, bring them back in, write a story. That's physically active learning. We're trying to broaden our understanding of all the different types of physically active learning. And a great piece of work by Jesper von Salen and Klaus, whose second name evades me from the Danish team, uh, who've pulled together um, sort of the five types of PAL. And then it's the journey you need to take them on of how do we then build that behaviour. So starting simple, um, really easy to implement ideas, how to manage classroom behaviour, building in small steps towards advanced practice. So that's that's the, the curriculum that was launched back in November last year. And like I said, the e-learning modules are about to be launched. Well, hopefully today or in the next few days. Mm. Yeah, so so really interesting. And and you mentioned quickly the five types of uh, PALS, physically active learning. Could you could you tell a little bit about those? I knew that question was coming. Um, right. I can't tell you them off the top of my head, which is really poor. But I can give you I can give you some examples. So simplistic PAL would be integrating physical movements within the delivery of, say, times tables. So that would be where you are doing a times table in a classroom and you attach a bodily movement to it. Star jumps to the three times table. Moving that on into um, looking at integrating physical activity a little bit more. So that might be using things like uh, relay races, uh, spelling relay races, times table relay races. So what we're looking at using the activity to reinforce what has already been learned. I would say the purest form of PAL, so embodied learning, is is using your body within the learning process. So the great example, and I steal this off uh, Professor John Bartholomew, who has got the Texas ICANN project, uh, recreating the solar system on the playground and the children operating as planets and actually, you know, a scalable model and then looking at how the moon circulates around the the Earth. That would be embodied learning. But And then I would say another type is the example I gave earlier about exploring uh, in the woods so experiential learning and what can you learn from through that experience that then might contribute back into your academic practice. I think in, in terms of PAL for me, where the field is at the moment, we're very much um, in the research field. We're very much using PAL as a way to reinforce what has previously been learned. I think what would be really interesting is looking at the role of PAL in teaching new concepts. And I think that's that's really novel. Um, and, and that might appear in longer term interventions, but it's not explicit in terms of the role of PAL to teach new new ideas. Um, and I think that would be so if anyone's looking for a research field, that'd be a really fascinating place to go. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and you said that this is mainly for to improve the teacher's training or change the teacher's training. Where are we in the implementation? Is it already taking place when teachers are trained? What countries are doing it? Where are we with this? So the Scandinavian countries are are well ahead, as you would expect. So if if you look at countries like Norway, Finland, you know, definitely ahead um, based on the school systems um, and the fantastic, you know, 
the uh, Finnish Schools on the Move programme has been going a long, long time. Um, a lot of the work in Norway, led by GK and the, the group at CEFAL, which is the Centre for Physically Active Learning. So that they're the two places I would be looking for um, advice on how do we continue or, or how do we learn from places that have done it really well. But then, you know, you could go stateside and look at, again, I mentioned uh, John Bartholomew's work and the Texas ICANN project. Um, there's the work of Joe Donnelly and his team. And again, the name evades me. But I think as researchers as well, don't just live in the research world. Go and investigate education practice, you know, providers of physical activity um, or, or PAL who are t- training teachers. We can learn an awful lot. And sometimes, I think as a researcher, we feel we need to develop a new intervention to test. Actually, there's loads of interventions out there that exist already um, that we can integrate evidence-based practice to help improve them and then test to see if they are effective and how they're implemented. Um, But yeah, I would say Scandinavia is the place I would be heading. Mm. Yeah. So this has been really interesting discussion. We have discussed one hour so we can start to wrap up. Is there anything you want to advertise or promote, whether it's a job position or upcoming event or anything? Yes, actually, we have a uh, a fantastic conference, which will be in the Netherlands um, in mid-April. I will circulate the details on Twitter, and it is a physically active learning congress. So even with the challenges of COVID, we're hoping to pull together uh, researchers and practitioners and policymakers from across the European Union. We'll be meeting at the Nether- in the Netherlands uh, near Amsterdam. Uh, it'll be a two-day event uh, where there'll be integrated research and practice presentations uh, looking at what the latest insights into physically active learning are. Um, the keynote will be delivered by Professor John Bartholomew. We'll obviously be talking about the Activate project further. Um, but also we want to hear from other researchers what the work they're doing around physically active learning and other practitioners. And and I always see these these events for an opportunity to set the next agenda. So one of the pieces of work we would like to do and involve people in would be is using that conference to set the five to ten year strategic plan for physically active learning across the European Union. Which I know sounds quite grand, but if you don't dream big, you achieve small. Um, so yeah, please do check out my Twitter and activate.e at activate.eu Twitter account um, for uh, to find out about that event in April. And if you can, please do attend. We'd love to see you there. In terms of anything else, I think that's probably it for the moment. Yeah, so sounds sounds good. This has been really really interesting discussions, and yeah, if you if you're doing anything, be in contact with Andy and look look for their their resource resources. Do you have any final remarks before we finish up? I'd just like to say thank you for your time and and the opportunity. I I always love just talking about you know physical activity research and practice and um. Yeah, let, let's hope let's hope we can all change the lives of children, young people in the right way. Yeah, that's a perfect way to finish. Thank you. Thank you, Ollie. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. 
thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.